Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Warning, this podcast may contain bad language and content that some listeners may find offensive. You might find it offensive, but probably not, because we have an amazing guest today. I already told you we're not doing the game. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast with your hosts, T and Cleves. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Welcome to Seesaw, the home of Seesaw. Welcome to the playground and all of those other things to do with Seesaws. Today, we have a fabulous guest. This is a bit of a longer episode, so we're not going to waste any time. And, of course, you can find out who the guest is right now. Hey, T, you know I said I wouldn't play your amazing game? You did. I didn't play it. I played a different game. Great. We are back with a fabulous guest. But before we introduce them, of course, we might have introduced at the start. Cleves is here. Hey. And I am also here, of course. But let's do the the customary rundown of what we're wearing. I am wearing a maroon, I guess, burgundy jumper, jeans, and a Tampa Bay hat. Um, Eric. Black t-shirt, Etna's written on there in the style of Black Sabbath for anyone who knows what that looks like. Blue jeans, done. Perfect. And, of course, our guest, the fabulous Robin Linderman. Hello, Robin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Do you want to give a quick description of what you look like? Sure. I am dark-haired. I have curly dark hair, and I... Um, I'm wearing a fuchsia hot pink baseball t-shirt and a necklace, and that's about it. Wonderful. That just sounds like you're doing one of those Zoom calls where you're not wearing any trousers. (laughs) (laughs) I do. They just don't match my shirt. I have, like, yoga pants on underneath, so I do have trousers on, but not that match my outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it is wonderful to have you here, Robin. Of course, you are a photographer i i don't think it it's downplaying it to say you've had quite a successful career with being you know in the photography field featured 
within People Magazine, Women's World Magazine, Style Network, amongst many, many others. Um, we've checked out your website. Of course we have. Thank you. <laughs> um, and of course, having one of the biggest and most elite wedding photography studios in Chicago. So I think we'll kick off. So your, what is your condition, like site condition, if you're happy to give that sort of detail? So I first got diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I was 31 when I got the diagnosis and it was recessive in both of my parents. So obviously we had, I never even knew that it was a disease. I'd never heard of it. There was no inkling that this was going to be something that would affect my future. Um, obviously probably would not have become a professional photographer had I known that I was going to lose my vision, but I did do, they took blood samples from both my parents and probably four or five years later, they were able to find the mutation and actually diagnose me with Usher's 2A. I don't have any hearing loss, so I'm very grateful for that. And I almost just associate myself with having RP versus ushers because RP is really the symptom that I'm dealing with the most. Absolutely. And of course, being diagnosed with RP, that's, that's really scary. But especially like from, from what we've found from trying to other individuals, like if you're a woman and you've developed RP later in life or, or you've had it and then it comes up, there could be a lot of complications. So I think You've dodged a fair amount of bullets there. I think the the hardest thing was I actually, when I was diagnosed with RP and we were thinking about growing our family, I was told, oh, you have retinitis pigmentosa. If you do pass this on, it will probably be as mild as yours. So in my head, I was like, okay, well, I had vision loss at 30, not a huge deal. Like I'm hoping by the time my daughter is 30, there'll be a cure you know, I'm still going to move on with this. But when I actually got pregnant, I was like six months pregnant was when I got the Usher's 2A diagnosis. And at that point, they said, if you pass this on, you will be passing Usher's Usher syndrome onto your daughter. And she will most likely be born with severe hearing loss. So that was like the biggest difference of the diagnosis for me versus, you know, it wasn't super alarming because it hadn't affected me. But then when I got this and I didn't know if my like at the time unborn child would have to go through things even more severe than I did. Um, that was, you know, not the greatest news to receive at that time. Yeah. Like you said, like when, when you have a, a child on the way and, and you plan for parenthood, like these things that can really hit you hard. And speaking to someone who I'm, Hopefully going to have children in the future at some point. Not me. Not, not, not please. Not please. I appreciate um, the honesty. <laughs> know what but, you want. But, um, yeah, I, I was glad I did all the genetic tests and luckily I was told that mine will not be carried on. But of course, photography, like what, what's your chosen career and, and actually getting a visual impairment, of course, knocks that out of left field, but. Uh, when did you sort of get into photography? Like you, you built a really successful wedding photography company. So, so when, when did you get into photography to begin with? So I took classes in high school and I, I really loved it. I felt like it was kind of this like perfect 
bridge between like left and right brained because you have to be creative, but you're still doing like, it's like a manual mathematic composition and shooting on uh, manual is actually like very technical. And so it was this like perfect balance of art and, you know, like I said, right and left brain. And I just, I loved it, but I didn't ever think I would make a career out of it. I remember my uncle when I was really, when I was in high school, he was like, this is what you're meant to do. This is your gift. Like, this is what you need to do. I was like, there's no way, like you don't make money as a photographer. I don't even know how to do this. So I went to college. I did nothing really related to photography in college. And I graduated college. I moved out to Los Angeles and a lot of my friends out there were like actresses and models and they were spending thousands of dollars getting headshots and comp cards. And I was like, I could do this better for less. And so I kind of just started in that. And then I found out that, wow, like you actually can make a good living in wedding photography. And I just started assisting or, you know, doing like mock shoots just to build up my portfolio, to build up experience. And it never really took off for me when I was in Los Angeles. But in like 2008, when like US economy tanked, my now husband and I moved back to Chicago. And I was like, I'm going to give myself one year to make this happen. Like you have one year and it either happens or it doesn't. And then you go back to like your marketing career. And it just like, it took off for me. And the, the, I think the second year I had like a celebrity wedding that ended up, that's when I had like the feature in people magazine. I shot a woman's world cover and I just, I, I mean, I worked so hard for it, but it was, it was all that I wanted. It was like I said, when I was in LA, everybody wanted to be actresses and models. I couldn't care less about that. I just wanted <laughs> to be a photographer. My career took off really, really quickly here. And Chicago is a great city because it is like the second weddings here are the second most expensive in the US. So like, I think the average, <laughs> yeah, good for me. I will take yeah. it. Um, I think the average cost of a wedding in Chicago it was like $72,000. Wow. Okay. But that's like, I wouldn't even say like the last five years of my career, I would say most of the weddings I shot were between 175 to like upwards, like $500,000. That's mad. It's like becomes a, like a pageantry, like one upping thing sometimes. Like sometimes it's, you know, it becomes like, business partners are invited and, you know, like you just want it to be the biggest, best, most memorable. Sometimes I feel like the meaning, you know, would start to get lost at times. And sometimes people just have the money and that's how they wanted to spend it. And, you know, I can appreciate that too. You mentioned that you have done photography for celebrities. Would it be anyone we would know? The big wedding that kind of put me on the map was for Kyle Busch. The NASCAR okay. driver. Do you yeah. know who he is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We like our motorsport here. Yeah. So it was, it was a while ago, but yeah, it was his wedding and it just, we don't get a ton of celebrity weddings in Chicago. So it was, yeah, it was a pretty big deal and it was really, it was, it was fun working with them and he's wonderful. He has not the greatest reputation, but he's actually a very good, good guy. Amazing. Of course, you've been really successful. You made a go of it in Chicago and like you've seen a lot of success from that. But of course, then you had your diagnosis 
I mean, stupid question, but I have to say it. Was it scary, considering that photography, yeah, it is your livelihood, and you get diagnosed with a visual impairment? I mean, how was that? The first night that I got, after I got diagnosed, I woke up in like, at like three o'clock in the morning in like full hyperventilation panic. You know, it wasn't just my career. Like my photography was not just my livelihood, but it was my my identity. Like more than Mm -hmm. anything else, it was who I was. And it was more than anything in my life, what I was proud of. Like I built something from nothing with no help from anyone. And I worked hard and I loved what I did. Like how many people, and I made a really good income, which was something that I always wanted with all due respect for any family units, how it works for you. But I always wanted to have my own success. I always wanted to have finances separate from my husband. I always wanted to stand on my own two feet. And I, you know, always made as much money as my husband. I always contributed to our family as much. And I was so proud of what I did. And like I said, more than anything else, it was because I was doing what I loved. All I wanted from life was to do this. And it was what I, it was my passion. And so, you know, to have, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to lose my career. I'll go find a new one. It was like, I'm losing my identity. I'm, you know, I don't know if I'll ever make as much money as I did doing this. And now this thing that I so deeply loved is being ripped away from me. So it was traumatic, but I had early vision loss at that time. So I knew I had a little bit of time left to do this. And that's where like, I had to switch my perspective. Like I had to say like, this is coming for you no matter whether you want it to or not. It's like death, right? Death is coming for all of us. So you can sit here and worry about it and ruin like these good days that you have, or you can say like, today's a good day, tomorrow's a good day, and I'm going to make the best of it. And that's what I had to do. I mean, you would have got diagnosed after you noticed changes in your vision. What sort of vision changes did you notice? Because like some of the traditional symptoms are like tunnel vision and night blindness and things like that, or sensitivity to light. Is that the sort Um, of thing that you were noticing? Yeah. So for one thing, like I'm six feet tall and I've always prided myself on not being like, I'm a tall, lanky girl and I was never clumsy, never like tripped over things. And that's kind of like the stereotype of tall girls. Right. And so I, I noticed that I was like starting to bump into things. The biggest thing would be, I would be at the grocery store, like pushing a shopping cart and I would turn and someone would be standing there and like, where the fuck did you just come from? Like, I just like, (laughs) literally, like, I it would like startle me. So I just went to get a normal I wear contacts, I just went to get a normal eye exam. And you can pay more money for a peripheral test. And like, (laughs) they charge you money to like hold fingers up. But she was like, (laughs) how many fingers are you holding up? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. And she's like, I think it's fine. You just don't have your contacts in. And I'm like, no, it's not fine. I know something's going on. She's like, okay, go put your contacts in. I put my contacts in and she's like, how many fingers am I holding up? And I'm like, I don't see your hands. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, I could see this like alarm come over and she's like, you need to get a specialist right away. 
as soon as possible. And so I kind of got like tossed around and I don't know if people didn't know how to diagnose me or they just didn't want. I, I went to this one doctor who was a little bit older and I know he told me he had a daughter around my age and I could, I know he knew, but he didn't want to be the one to tell me. Like I could yeah. see the sadness in his eyes and he didn't have like the actual equipment to diagnose to truly diagnose me. So he sent me to someone else and that's where I got diagnosed. So I got tossed around a little bit, but eventually got, got the diagnosis. That is super scary. And I mean, especially later in life and you've got to establish like your career and like you've got everything sorted for you. And yeah, like you said, like, you could be independent and that's such a scary thing like to be told that. And I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was, I think we're all in the wrong career if we can get paid to hold up fingers. <laughs> like we should all be getting whatever qualification that is. Seriously. To be able to go, oh, how many fingers is this? I, I feel like I paid like $50 for that test too. And it was like, I'm like, what am I paying for here? How did you make a decision on what you were going to do once you were diagnosed? Did you have to decide? I'm going to carry on the photography business for as long as possible. Am I going to hand it over to someone? Am I going to leave it completely and move on elsewhere? So the hard thing about the wedding photography and the level that I was at, I was starting to book sometimes two years in advance. So like most of my bookings would be like a year and a half, but there were occasions like a year to a year and a half. And then sometimes as far as two years. So I kept shooting. But now it like in addition to kind of dealing with this myself, now I have this like dirty little secret that I can't share, right? Because like who's going to hire a blind photographer or somebody who's losing their vision? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. So... I think the first year I was fine. I don't think that I had anything significant. Um, down the line, I started to notice, like, especially in the receptions, in the low light with people coming all over the place, it was starting to like peak my anxiety. 
So I always had assistants with me. I always had second shooters. So I kind of made them go more into like the crazy chaos. And I would stay on the outskirts where I could scan, where I could have a little bit more space for myself. Um, like I said, I, I was charging a lot of money. And for my own pride, I wanted to be able to leave saying like my disease did not affect the product that you were given. And towards the end of my career, I didn't know how much longer I could say that for. And so in 2019, I was like, it's just getting too much. I'm still delivering. I don't know how much longer I can do that. But my anxiety is like starting to really, really increase at these events. And so, you know, 2019 was my last season and I kind of came out with my disease like early 2020. That was the perfect time to quit considering weddings were cancelled for two years. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. My husband was like, you left and you slammed the door behind you. Like, (laughs) it was such a blessing. It was such a mess and such a blessing. How did you feel going from there? You know, what you say sounds like a lot of um, sports people, you know, when they finish their career at quite an early age, but then they have to find something else to do with their time because their previous life has been all about that sport. And sometimes that's a bit hard to transition. Did you know what you were going to do after that? Or was a bit of a finding yeah. kind of? So here's where my timing. So that was good timing. Here's where my timing absolutely sucked. My family was supposed to leave April 2020 for a year long trip around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only were we supposed to leave to travel, but we had rented out our condos in Chicago in like November for an April lease. Right. So <laughs> when COVID hit, not only did we not have our trip, but we essentially became homeless because we had contracts in place for people to come into rent our apartments. Wow. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the thing, so the reason I'm bringing that up is photography and traveling are my two passions. And it was very, very hard for me to close down my business, but I kind of bandaged it knowing that like four months later, I was going to go on this year long trip, seeing the world with my family. And in my mind, it was going to be a na- natural transition. Like I was going to take photos all around the world. I was going to share my story. I was going to come back and have these amazing pictures. I wanted to have them like in a gallery or have them to sell like fine art prints and like long-term gold to make a coffee table book of the images sharing, you know, sharing the story and having part of the proceeds go to fight blindness. So in my mind, it was like, this is my next chapter, like no big deal. We're just going to, this is, this is what's next for me. This is what I'm like manifesting for myself. So then when COVID hit, I actually had to deal with the reality of, Oh shit. Like, my career's gone and my future's gone and everything that I thought, like I'm sitting here in this like positivity, like this is, I'm going to put a positive spin on everything that's happening. And then I just got like the, the rug pulled out from underneath me. Did you find somewhere else to live at least? Yeah, we did. We <laughs> did. It was, <laughs> yes. And it wasn't like, I shouldn't say like homeless as far as like us not. It's just that we had to like actually like vacate 
yeah. our home and not like camping on a tent underneath <laughs> the bridge of the south side of Chicago. <laughs> but of course, like pandemic is still with us. Of course, I think, especially with everything going on in the world, like there, there's so many horrible things going on. And I think COVID has taken the back seat of things. But of course, things did clear up, of course. And then you started jet setting. I mean, where, where was first on the agenda? Like, where was the one place you wanted to go? Because, of course, <sighs> you know, it's just delayed things, of course. And you did do it from, from what we've chatted about. So, we, so where did you go? We did definitely a modified version. It wasn't necessarily like, where do we want to go to first? It was like, who's letting us in? <laughs> because, yeah. you know, with COVID, it was, it was very difficult. We did a little bit of traveling through the U.S. in 2020. And then in December 2020, right around Christmas, my whole family got COVID. And for us, it was really mild. And we knew at that point we had some sort of natural immunity. Our biggest concern was, you know, at that time I had a four-year-old. Like, what if my husband and I both get this and it just, like, knocks us out and who takes care of our child? And it was nothing like that. So we went to Costa Rica for a month, which is just, like, it's just like the most beautiful, healing, perfect place on earth. Like it just has everything you want. The people are wonderful. The energy is wonderful. The ocean, the sunsets, it's just everything about it is just like goodness. And then we came back and then we went back to, we went back to Costa Rica. Then we went down to Panama and then we went down to Colombia and we had some really crazy things happen in Colombia. And then we were supposed to continue, like, again, things are changing, like, week to week of, like, where you can get into, where you can't. And so we kind of just had to fly by the seat of our pants. So we're supposed to continue on to Peru. And they were having some, like, political things happening. And they were requiring, like, double masking and face shields outside and 90 degree temperature. And I'm like, I can't do this with a kid. Like, this is too much. So we came home and then we went to Europe for three and a half months in the summer. So that was summer 2021. But when we jumped over there, the only places that were open to Americans were Croatia, Portugal, and Turkey. So we were in Croatia and we were there for a month. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go to Italy next. And I just had to sit there like every week, like, is Italy open? What's the border situation? (laughs) And we went to Italy three days after it opened our border. Their borders. And then it was like, we went to Slovenia when they opened. And then we went, we went to Montenegro. Then we jumped over to Turkey. We went to France. From France, we went to London. But even that, we went to London the day after it opened and it was chaotic getting there. We were at the airport in Paris. We had all the tests that we needed, everything, except that the UK required you to buy a testing kit for day two. So you had to get a testing kit shipped here. We weren't even there for 48 hours, and I didn't know this. And so we're sitting there trying to do like airport Wi-Fi to buy these kits, and we couldn't get (laughs) these kits, and they wouldn't let us on the airplane. So finally, we got like got a later flight got these kits like registered and they didn't even arrive to our hotel by the time we left so um it was definitely we had to be like adaptable 
for sure during that time. <laughs> With your sight starting to go at that point, do you feel that you got the most out of the trip? Or was that part of taking the trip that you wanted to see as much as you could at the time? Yeah, so that's that's what I'm trying to do is I just want to see as much of the world. I want to see my daughter experiencing the world. Like she's just, she's like made for this life. She's a natural born jet setter and she has this like zest for life that I've never seen. So for me, just to like watch her have these experiences is almost more meaningful than me having them myself. Like myself, it's just, it's so beautiful to me. And I just, you know, I want to capture it. And I think that I have a a unique perspective of how I visually see things being a photographer. So I just want to like keep capturing, keep documenting the world like through my eyes while I can. Absolutely. It's such a, a powerful message to anyone who, who has those abilities and the resources to do that to, to definitely follow in your footsteps because you're giving a gift to your, giving a gift to your daughter. And that's amazing. And I suppose like in a way, is retinitis pigmentosa a bit of a silver lining? I mean, would you have done this if you weren't diagnosed and you had the diminishing sight and you were going for your sight loss journey? Would you still be at this point doing your very successful business and, and rightly so? But would this have been one of those things that people talk about but never really do? I mean, we've always been travelers, but for me, the, the switch changed when I realize I have to live life with a sense of urgency. Like I don't have the ability to wait to do the things that I want. Like I, I have, mine's pretty slow progressing and I'm pretty lucky with that, but I don't have the ability to wait until I retire to do X, Y, and Z or wait until next year or wait until this. Like, I don't know what is in the future, like in what my future holds. So I have to do the things that I want to do now. And I find that to be such a gift. I mean, how many of us would live differently if we got a diagnosis that we knew we only had X amount of time? Like, yes, I'm not dying. So I'm grateful for that. But you know, if, if you did have a diagnosis of you have this much time to live, we all would be living differently. So I've kind of used that to motivate myself to do, you know, travel, learn the hobbies, do the things that I want to do because like I got a ticking clock. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a very good lesson for anyone listening. So have you got things lined up, like more traveling? As far as sort of like, are you looking to get back into photography? Like what, what are your next steps, Robin? I think that's the hardest thing for me right now is I'm still kind of navigating it all. I'm still trying to figure out what is next for me? How do I continue to do the things that I love? Unfortunately, like I had mentioned before, we have, we had gone to 20 countries, visited 20 countries in two years, and we still travel a lot, but my daughter's in kindergarten now. So I don't, I have to kind of work around Thanksgiving break. You know, we went to Europe, yeah. we went to the UK and, you know, Edinburgh, London and Belgium. Then during Christmas break, we went to the Canary Islands, but now she's not out again until like spring. And then like in the summer we can travel, but I, I'm not able to go for these like three month trips. Like we previously were able to. Um, so, you know, traveling is so important, you know, and I am just 
wanting to share, share my story, create awareness towards the situation. And like I said, it was this kind of dark secret that I had for so long that it like yeah. feels good to be like open about it. And the response that I've gotten about sharing it has just been really amazing. And, you know, just the outreach, like this can be such a lo- lonely disease. And if you don't have it, like, it's so hard to understand. So I think for us just to be talking about it, bringing awareness towards it, but also for the people that are dealing anything about anything like this, I just know it's comforting, you know, and it's, it yeah. makes people feel like there's somebody out there that understands them. So, yeah. but yeah, keep, I'm keeping, like, I do a lot of drone photography. I do a lot of still photography and I have so many pictures from around the world that I'm just starting to like curate into a collection that hopefully will be to be shared with the world soon. Amazing. You're very eloquent with the, uh, with your analysis there. We all, you know, as much as this does suck, like this disease sucks, right? We all can agree. It's, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a kid, an adult, a, you know, a photographer, a, driver it doesn't matter it sucks for all of us but like with any shitty situation that you cannot control what can you do except change your attitude that is literally the only thing that you can do and so I could sit in this and be depressed and feel sorry for myself and be a victim and that's not going to do anything for me and it's sure as shit not going to do anything for my daughter to see that like that's she inspires me and she like I have moments. I have moments where I'm just like, I can't keep fighting. I'm fighting for so much. Like, I feel like I'm like gasping, you know, gasping for air to try to keep pushing forward with the things I want. And then I think about her and I'm like, if she can see that I can still live a beautiful life and I can still follow my dreams and continue to have a passion after all of this with a shitty diagnosis like this, then she can do anything in this world and that's what pushes me like day after day absolutely from telling to you today you've definitely demonstrated that regardless of where you've been and where you're going to end up at you can still have empowerment there and diagnosis doesn't mean anything you can still power through and make your life what it what you want it to be and that's the most important thing but Robin, it's been amazing to have you on. Thank you guys for having me. It was so great chatting. It was an absolute pleasure. Robin, thank you so much. Yes. And we'll chat to you soon. And welcome back, everyone. We really hope you enjoyed this. Of course they did. Because they were really good to chat to. And they have a lot of lived experience. But, of course, this episode is running long. And for the sake of editing and Cleaver's poor clicking finger... We're going to end it off here. We will see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the episode and goodbye. Keep it balanced. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us. So if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. You can find us on Twitter at Seesaw Pod. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review us, and share us with a friend. <laughs>
podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience. And so, folks, for those of you playing the game, of course, the final total was 16. 14 mid-episode and a couple of sweet ones in the wrap. See you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.